of all machines. God meshes good and evil. Accept this blood of my blood. Welcome to Now Playing's The Mangler Movie Retrospective Series. And I am investigating a laundry machine with a bad case of demon possession. A part of the Now Playing Stephen King Podcast Review Series. Good things will come. Hosted by Jacob. My hero. Stuart. I let you do this. Do you promise to stop killing people? And Arnie. If you're not careful, you'll end up like me. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. My God, who art thou? Cursed be thy name. Fuck you. Listener discretion is advised. Time's a waste. Tick tock, tick tock, tick. <laughs> Today, we're discussing The Mangler 2, starring Lance Hendrickson, Chelsea Swain, Philippe Bergeon, Dexter Bell, and directed by Michael Hamilton Wright. I'm Arnie, your mangled co-host of Now Playing. Oh, Arnie, you sound so sexy when you talk computer-ish. It's Stuart in L.A. And this is the host with the best pair of mandel boobies, Jacob. (laughs) Mandel boobies. Who? thought we would be talking about fractals tonight. Oh my god, I had to go back to the physics of high school to even comprehend what we're about to discuss. I think this is so appropriate with all these polar vortexes and snowflakes. Yes, this is the movie we should be talking about at this time of the season. <laughs> See, I got lucky. I studied fractals in grad school, so I was all over the Mandelbrot. Oh, good. So you you understood this film. <laughs> yes, I also have seen The Lawnmower Man. I understood this film. How the hell do we go from a killer washing machine to a computer virus? But yet that is what we have with the Mangler 2. Yeah, just with a couple change of consonants, we take a laundromat and turn it into internet. I, I'm I'm amazed that they made the jump. But you know, I, I can understand the thinking. They must have been like, kids today, they don't care about washing machines. They like computers. Let's give them what they like. Let's give them computers. They're hipping it up. It's 2.0. They got to make it relevant for the millennials. <laughs> Seriously, Arnie, what do you know about the behind the scenes of this movie? I know... It's the first and last time we're talking about the Banana Brothers. Who are the Banana Brothers? I don't know. They're the production company, Banana Brothers Entertainment. Yeah, and the score's by Ferocious LaFonk. I love the names, not so much the talent, but uh, it's good credits here. Apparently the Garbage Pail Kids brought us this film. (laughs) Out of the pail and into your heart. Was Ferocious LaFonk the ones who did the two music videos that were on my DVD? No, that was Sun Like Star. We'll talk about them, too. But no, the pop songs are different from the score. Okay. I didn't know if it might all be the same. It all has a very techno vibe to it. Well, because computers. Yeah, it could only be from the late 90s, which, of course, means it's incredibly passe to be coming out at the end of 2001. (laughs) All of this feels very 90s, admittedly. I actually thought I was watching a movie made around the time of, I don't know, say, The Rage Carry 2. I I was kind of waiting for the swing dancing to begin. 
<laughs> I definitely was thinking about Carrie 2 uh, during some of this, indeed. There's a Carrie 2002 star here, too. I don't know if you noticed. There's a star in Carrie 2? <laughs> All right. There's a guy that would go on to be in Carrie 2002. Corey, the pothead nerd that sort of gets them all in trouble by hacking the website. He was uh, one of the mean boyfriends that, uh, I don't know, he was in the background being mean to Carrie. Oh, did not recognize him, but good eye for that. I actually did look up some of these people, but didn't catch that he was somebody. The ones I know, Lance Henriksen, of course. Oh, yeah. He's done some great films like Aliens and some shit films like Aliens vs. Predator. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then... I don't know Chelsea Swain, but I've seen stuff she's been in. I know her sister, Dominic Swain. There is one genuine star that came out of this. I was shocked, but there's a name in the credits I did not expect to see who is an A-lister right now. But hold on to it. Wait for it. I'll I'll, I'll unveil it at a certain time. It It's probably not what you would think. It's not Dexter Bell, because I got him confused with somebody else. <laughs> it is not Dexter Bell or any of the other kids. <laughs> is it Frenchie? I don't think it's Frenchie. He did the commentary. Yes, I listened to the commentary. (laughs) Well, then you can explain where this came from and how this came into being. I mean, last time I checked, this was about a possessed laundry press that has some kind of voodoo eternal life curse to it. And now I don't even know how it wound up on the Internet. How it happened is Artisan had the rights and saw a cash grab, and so they approached- Wait, 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 a cash grab? That last (laughs) one didn't grab any cash. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. It's a good idea to make a sequel to something that was profitable. It's a very bad idea to stick a name of a flop on your new horror project, I think. But I'm guessing this was an original script. I'm guessing this was called Graduation Day. And somewhere down the line, someone said, hey, what if we stuck Mangler 2 Graduation Day to it? I thought the exact same thing, and we both thought wrong. They went to Michael Hamilton Wright and said, killer machine, write whatever you want, go. (laughs) And he wrote this and fell so in love with his script, he decided he wanted to direct it. Now, maybe... He is keeping a complete secret that he had some killer computer movie script on his hard drive somewhere and decided he wanted to just repurpose it for the mangler. But he was hired to write this and this is what he came up with, with a passing familiarity with the original mangler film. Passing, I'll say. This has a lot more in common with The Matrix or Lawnmower Man, two movies we'll be talking about very soon, than it does with that Robert England atrocity of last week. And you know what? I'm all for that. If you want to distance yourself from last week, I am totally supportive of it. Let's go in an entirely different direction. I'm ready. Let's go. Well, as the defender of last week's film, I would prefer some high camp to wrote Necropolis type films, which is what we get here. (laughs) But... We'll talk about it. Yeah, I'm prepared to get into that arena, but maybe, I don't know, maybe first. Can you tell me, Stephen King, did they use his name to promote this movie at all? Is this Stephen King's Mangler 2? No, I didn't see his name anywhere in the credits. It is not on the front of the box. The Mangler had become its own franchise at that point. Yeah, or maybe the Lawnmower Man had already been sued and had that title stripped of it, and they were afraid to test the waters again. Because I can't imagine the Master of Horror being very pleased that this is what's happened to his short story from the early 70s. 
He might have worked with Toby Hooper on that first Mangler, but he has nothing to do with this, right? This is tangentially involved with anything we talked about last week. Yeah, that's right. And you really don't see King's name on a lot of the sequels. I mean, it's rare that you'll see a Pet Cemetery 2 poster with King's name on it or Children of the Corn 666. It's rare that I watch those films, but I guess I've made a new resolution for 2014. But, I mean, despite the way you guys look at The Last Mangler, it had built enough of a home video audience to seem like, hey, we could throw a very tiny budget up in British Columbia to make a film, and it'll turn a profit on video just through rentals and Netflix. God, does that mean that they can make a sequel to anything? That literally anything you've ever heard of could potentially have a two or three put behind it because, hey, you've heard of it at least. Uh, Yes, I think so. I mean, what about that witchcraft series? I've not seen it. I don't know anyone who's seen it, but they pumped out like nine of those fuckers. Right, not going to do that one. I don't know. To me, Mangler was a complete and total fuck-up. I can't imagine why you'd want to make a two, even if you had a good idea to do for it. But they didn't. They made... Well, Arnie, why don't you tell them what they made? Give them the plot. At the Royal Collegiate College, or RCC, it's an upper-class boarding school, a new computer is being installed. The N2K system, which I thought might be a boy band. (laughs) <laughs> that was B2K. There was, there was one. <laughs> the system was donated by the school's richest benefactor, Mr. Newton, whose semi-goth, rebellious teenage daughter, Joe, played by Chelsea Swain, attends RCC. But Joe hates the school. She has few friends and the teachers are lecherous, especially school headmaster Braden, played by Lance Henriksen. When a hacker puts a picture of Braden making out with a dog on the school's <laughs> website... Dressed as the Joker, don't forget that part. <laughs> Braden sends all the students away, save for the five house prefects, including Joe, Jock Dan, Stoner Corey, Corey's friend Will, and hottie party girl blonde Emily. Braden knows one of the prefects is the culprit, and if they don't confess by the end of the weekend, Braden's going to cancel prom. So the four conspire to say Joe hacked the site, even though she didn't. It was Corey, by the way. So (laughs) in an act of anger, Joe downloads the Mangler virus and sets it to infect the entire school, unaware that the virus will make the N2K system homicidal and (laughs) self-aware. It's Saint all over. I'm having Robocop uh, Prime Directives flashbacks. Oh, dear God, I just love the fact that in one of the commentaries, the actor who plays Corey said, there's just never really been an evil computer system like this before. And I'm just screaming, (laughs) hell, hell, lawnmower man, hell, Terminator, I I mean, come on. All right, back to this film. (laughs) And not the ones that the people who made it haven't seen. Hmm. Joe then starts to bond with the other prefects, starting a romance with Hunky Dan, while Corey and Emily also start to hook up. But soon the building is killing teachers and students alike. Much carnage occurs, and Corey, Emily, Will, and finally Dan die, and the teachers die as well, save for school chef Liqueur. Liqueur is rescued when Joe's bodyguard Paul smashes his car through the school's electrified gate, but Joe is still trapped inside, so she goes to the computer room to confront the virus. (laughs) Now this is where it goes fucking nuts. (laughs) I love it! The... Virus has now been personified by inserting wires into the corpse of Brayden. And the Mangler wants to mate with Joe (laughs) 
to have a child. The worst internet date ever. (laughs) (laughs) But Joe overloads the system by having it process a Mandelbrot fractal image of a snowflake. (laughs) Works every time. Stopping the virus as Joe is reunited with and rescued by her father. We then fast forward a few months to Joe on spring break in Europe, but her palm pilot shows you're mangled, hinting the virus may still live, admittedly on obsolete technology called a palm pilot, (laughs) as credits roll. Man, I was just getting over getting boned, baby. Now I'm going to get mangled. Woo! (laughs) But yet there's still some boning going on here in the form of... The Mangler virus is human host. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got to say, I've never thought. Here's where it's original. Evil computer every time. Always. Happens every time in a sci-fi movie. I have never seen a computer virus that actually, rather than, like, you know, poison the oxygen or lock people in or do anything that normally, you know, computer technology controls, to actually meld the circuitry and the wires into, like, tentacles and claws and, like, chop people's heads off. I did not see the, where this movie was going. <laughs> I, 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 I figured it was going to be about a robot killing people, but I couldn't have dreamed the death scenarios that come up here. I did wonder how old the writer for this was. Was he 60? Because no one knows how a computer works in this film. <laughs> no, he was pretty young. I was actually surprised. And I, I don't think anyone knew how the computer was working on this set either, though, because if you listen to the making ofs, and I don't suggest you do, they just keep going on about how this was a cursed set. Computers would break for no apparent reason. That's what happens when you have no money. <laughs> Yeah, I can just imagine the computers they were able to afford with their budget. And here I'd just gotten over apologizing to Canada with the RoboCop remake, and <laughs> they give us this. So uh, before we get really much further into this, I just got to say, so Robert England wasn't approached, Toby Hooper, nobody, nobody was asked to come back from the last one. This was entirely new people stepping in with new ideas going an entirely different way. Correct, although they did have higher hopes than what they eventually got. As of 1999 or 2000, when one of the books that I used for my research for the original Mangler review came out, they talked about how they were going to make the Mangler 2, and at at least one point there was talk of a theatrical release starring Malcolm McDowell and Andrew McCarthy. Huh, Andrew McCarthy is who? I couldn't see that in this script. (laughs) I kept trying to figure out who Andrew McCarthy could be. Could he be Joe's father? Could he be the bodyguard? Could he be the wheelchair-bound lech? I don't know. But definitely Malcolm McDowell in the Lance Henriksen role. Yeah, that's a given. And I would have enjoyed that. To say nothing against Lance Hendrickson, I always enjoy Malcolm McDowell popping up, even in these slocky ones. But, but maybe particularly in these slocky ones, he always brings a breath of fresh air in miserable projects. But let's get into it. They're not even the stars. The stars of this movie is Joe, the teenage female child of a privileged computer company executive who, it's all set up in the prologue, is really... This is all about a fight with her dad. At the end of the day, her dad wants her to be monitored and to behave, so he's going to turn her entire school into a prison to make sure she doesn't hack into his lab again and corrupt his files. It's so weird. We get this ninja like infiltrating <laughs> this huge corporation. Yes, that's exactly what I was putting in my notes is ninja. 
Yes. And I'm again, I, I don't mean to bring up prime directives, but it's his own film's fault. I'm having flashbacks to those techno ninja chicks yeah. at this point. But no, so it's Joe. She's trying to sabotage daddy's business because I don't know. She's bored. It's not like she's against mechanization of systems. No, it's no. just she's bored and she's <laughs> rebelling. And so her dad catches her and he's like, I'm going to give you what you need and what everyone your age needs. Cut to school. I don't know. There's an alarm system on the doors now. That's what mm-hmm. every teenager needs. <laughs> I think what every teenager needs was discipline or something like that. But this opening, I really thought I knew exactly where this entire movie was going from this opening. Now, I'll preface... I knew nothing about this going in other than Lance Hendrickson and Computer Virus. So I see this ninja inserting a writable CD into a computer and starts to get the Hunter virus. And for those who don't know, that that's a real virus. It's a <laughs> virus that comes from rat shit. I don't think computers can catch it. So it's not a computer thing. But I thought for sure, as a result of this ninja hacker, the Mangler virus would have been, you know, kind of like the stand, how that disease was made by the government and then released. I thought that maybe this N2K system had the Mangler virus and this ninja was going to release it into the wild. But... No, instead, this entire prologue has nothing to do with anything that we're going to see in the rest of the movie. This hantavirus, it's not the Mangler's nemesis, it's never used again. In fact, I honestly wonder if this scene isn't just here to elongate the film. Well, it tells us one thing. It tells us that Joe is really good with computers. It tells me, as someone who's not very good with computers, that I'm supposed to understand that she can do anything. She'll be magical. Later, I expect her to be hacking into, you know, a pencil sharpener and doing cool things. I just expect that they're telling me she's a character that can do anything that has two wires on it. But how does that exactly help when you're dressed in all black from head to toe, including a ski mask and jumping through windows? Well, you know, I mentioned The Matrix before. I'm going to mention it again. I do think that this was their attempt at Trinity. I mean, keep in mind, this is coming out two years after The Matrix. That was a huge phenomenon that they were hitching their washing machine to the success of that franchise. And I think that this movie was enamored with Trinity and The Matrix. But Joe is not Trinity. And this is not the Matrix. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, that goes without saying. But yeah, if the idea was to create a sexy and independent, computer-savvy female creation here, uh, she basically looks like a really rebellious teenager that, yeah, is angry for reasons that are undiscernible to adults. You know she's angsty because she wears black lipstick. Yeah, exactly. And shows up in fishnets and uh, a valet hat or something made out of leather. I'm like, is are they playing Rocky Horror tonight? What is she doing? <laughs> yeah, when she shows up at this school, I'm like, is she banging her valet driver, like her limo driver? It's so weird. She's like driving the car. The dude's in the back seat. Yeah. He's got the hat on. I'm trying to figure out their relationship because as a result of her break-in, her father decides the school is going to be augmented with the most secure system in the world, the N2K system. We'll talk about that in a second. But she shows up. This guy is, like, really being nice to her, gives her the super pass key that will unlock any door in the N2K. I'm like, 
all right, is that her father? And the first guy was her grandfather. Is this her <laughs> older brother? Is this her lover? It turns out it's her bodyguard. They needed to set up who the fuck that dude was because I was really confused. And her best friend. And yeah, I agree. It's really confusing. If he's his bodyguard, why is he turning around and leaving in the car? He's basically her chauffeur. He's dropping her off. He's a chauffeur that outsources the driving to her. But yeah, he's basically <laughs> here to sort of give her a pass rather than have her be active and you know figure out how to get past the electronic doors when all of it goes haywire he gives her a magical pass that allows her to do it without working hard breaking a sweat Uh, it's really lazy but this project is filled with what i would team as inappropriate relationships between adults and young women here. I do not understand why they are doing this heavy petting thing between a bodyguard and a 16-year-old girl. Yeah, it was a little strange, and I couldn't get how old either of them were supposed to be. I mean, I could tell that this bodyguard, Paul, was much older than Joe, But was he supposed to be much older than Joe? Were they supposed to be nearly the same age? Maybe she was prep school and he was college. I just, it was a very confusing introduction to a character. Not to mention he's got that look. I mean, I looked up his resume and all he's done are things called sex files and erotic confessions. <laughs> I mean, this guy is just like hunk de jour here. He's, uh, everything he's done, it's like required that he takes off his shirt and sleeps with the woman on screen. I just, I don't know why they would think we'd think this is a surrogate father figure. I think that's how it's supposed to play. This is the adult male she really listens to, not her father, but yeah, it just it's the beginning of many inappropriate relationships between young women and adult men. Oh, that's where I know him from. He's Dean from Coed Confidential. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I guess we'll cover that some other time. <laughs> but I want to talk about this security system they installed at the school. Because even in the short decade between when this movie came out and now, I think surveillance has taken on new heights. I mean, we have cameras everywhere, but this system that they install, everywhere you go in the school, you have to swipe your badge. You know, you have to badge into every room. I've worked at places like that. I don't think that's too crazy. Cameras everywhere to monitor. Yeah, that that seems pretty reasonable. An electrified fence that can put down a 300-pound grizzly. (laughs) That might be taking it a little too far and into lawsuit territory. But we don't know what's going on in the forest outside the school campus. It's Everything is pretty much quarantined to the quad of the school. So, I don't know, maybe it's useful to keeping predators out. Yeah, it's so weird. They they say they're beta testing this for the military. What military applications are there for... A closed circuit camera system? Oh, come on, it's 2001. This is probably uh, what they got down in Guantanamo. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. This isn't futuristic. This is made before there was a Guantanamo. Yeah, they're beta testing it. <laughs> look, look, you don't beta test something for the military. I mean, the military gets all this tech beforehand, but whatever. This isn't high tech stuff. I mean, an electrified fence, uh, <laughs> cameras, co- card readers. Hey, this is British Columbia. Maybe they mean the Canadian military. The Mounties, perhaps, <laughs> for their horse stables. I just think that this 
entire security system is a lawsuit waiting to happen. Right. And, you know, I think it would make a lot more sense if the headmaster was Joe's dad, that she was the daughter of the guy that ran the school, and so he changed his policies towards the school. I could follow that a little bit better than here's some rich guy who's just going to basically walk in on Lance Hendrickson's turf and say, by the way, I'm putting a camera everywhere because I can't control my daughter. I mean, why wouldn't you homeschool overturning this school, this prestigious prep school, into a prison? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, she's got a bodyguard. You lock her in her room, bring the tutors in, have a camera in there. Right. Problem solved. No need to watch The Mangler (laughs) 2. But I think that this is a prestigious prep school, and homeschooling doesn't quite have the same cachet as a prep school, if you want. Well, yes, because they all have, what, palm PDQs? The pretty damn quicks? (laughs) They drop some line. Like, this is... I. What, the first day of school or coming back from spring break? And they're like, okay, we're all going on a field trip. We've updated your PDQs. <laughs> I don't even know what they're trying to say. Again, this is a 60-year-old guy who's never touched a computer. He is t- writing this out on a yellow legal pad, this script. Hey, they have actual paid product placements in this movie. Pepsi gave them money. Maybe Palm did, too. Maybe that's how they financed such a expensive Canadian production. I would guess so, because these palms never come back into the story except the very end. Like, it was so weird they dropped this line about them. 2001 and nobody's got a cell phone. I mean, I think this thing is, if they're trying for a techno thriller, I think they're lagging on the tack here. But whatever, uh, you know, I came for a horror movie about a washing machine, so I'll go along with whatever they're going to do here. I'm very confused at this setup. All that I understand in this opening part is that somehow Lance Hendrickson and an evil computer are going to conspire to do something to the laundry. Yeah, and what is up with this headmaster? I mean, every teacher in this school is like the absolute worst you can be. You've got the porn-addicted wheelchair-bound... <laughs> teacher you've got the swinging drunk teacher you've got the horny french teacher but then you've got just evil headmaster Braden. oh he's raping a student so he's yeah no i throw him in there too with the inappropriate relations i mean he walks in to give this rousing speech i literally thought that this was like just footage they found this was like test footage like, the way he, he's not reading lines at all. He's just mumbling, telling them what's going on. I'm so, like, there are people working on a door, and he's, like, looking at him. I'm like, okay, that's going to come back at some point, this construction on this door. No, he doesn't yell at him. He doesn't freak out. We don't get any character moment there. Like, I thought this was just extra footage they had that they threw in. Listen, he might have thought it was a rehearsal. The director bragged how he'd do 48 camera setups oh, in geez. one day. Well, future Kubrick then, yes. <laughs> The anti-Kubrick. We're going to shoot it all. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not 48 takes. 48 different shots. Different scenes. Different camera setups. Different lighting. Yeah. He's racing through (laughs) this. So this is a director that doesn't know what he wants. He has no vision. He's a (laughs) first-time director who just thinks the best he can do is keep the budget low. So Lance may have been, like, warming up his pipes, and then they're like, all right, we're moving outside! And the whole camera crew takes their portable equipment and goes. And he's like, but that that was it? (laughs) Needless to say, Lance Hendrickson, his standards are pretty low by this point. I mean, he shows up for a paycheck, reads the cue cards, and calls it a day. 
still love him for Bishop here, and I, I think he, he gets a little callback towards the end for that. But no, this is not his finest hour, nor would I expect it to be. I would expect him to be central to the plot, though. But truly, he's not. The strange thing about all of this is that, yes... The rest of the school is sent away. The dad and the bodyguard are gone. This guy pretty much disappears. It's five kids unsupervised, quarantined in a school, and all of a sudden, it's the breakfast club. <laughs> this was a strange setup. I expected, given that there weren't very many students in the all-school assembly in the first place, that this whole thing would take place in a populated school so we could have maximum carnage. I've radically overestimated the budget of this, quite obviously. Yeah, they went the H2O route. Let's <laughs> uh, bring the kids in, have some extras in the uniform, and then, nope, let's get it down to a manageable cast level. Yeah, they had an afternoon to film all this at this school they're at. Part of me was happy that they got it down because everybody was wearing a school uniform, and other than the one girl who decided to take the mandated school top and turn it into a halter, I couldn't really be sure if I was going to be able to tell everyone apart. But yeah, it gets down to five stereotypes, one of which is really sadly just black. Yeah, definitely. They have the black friend, Will Walsh, that's here, you know, emerges after being driven from the hood by his friend in a cloud of pot smoke. We know where this is going, right? First to die, no doubt, for sure. Hey, that wasn't just a car, that was a Rolls Royce filled with pot smoke. <laughs> Right, that was the handiwork of his friend, the stoner geek, Corey, who's got some kind of fetish for Emily and her high socks. I got some kind of fetish for Emily and her high socks. <laughs> you know what? I almost have a fetish for Emily and her high socks. I mean, when they introduce her and they introduce her with her socks and that halter top, it's all great. And then they do a close-up on her face and I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, let's just say I hoped she could act. Wow, you're you're hoping for that at this moment? <laughs> She's doing Britney Spears, right? She's turned her school uniform into a midriff-bearing kind of sex tease, and I'm hearing Hit Me Baby one more time in my head, and, and of course they can't even afford to play it. But that's what I'm thinking about here. Late 90s, sure, that's that would be the most popular girl to emulate. No, they're not going to do a Hit Me Baby one more time. I mean, these people are so behind the times, they're going to say, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. That was only two years difference really was it that short it feels like a decade wow <laughs> you know this is a movie that works in shorthand i found out in the commentary that my assumption was correct because emily is a total bitch to dan they used to date yeah i couldn't quite figure that out but i eventually just kind of put it together there is a love triangle that is going on here dan is the jock guy who for reasons not totally obvious it's really crushing on Joe now, and Emily hates Joe and is doing a series of eye rolls and whatevers every time that Dan is asking about her. I wish we knew who broke up with who and why. That would help me to find a side here. But as it is, we have five people, and Corey is actually starting to make headway with Emily. Dan, for reasons I cannot even begin to fathom, yeah. is starting to find Joe attractive, and I'm feeling bad for Will. There's no partner for him. That's how it goes for the token black character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is nothing new. I mean, come on, think Lisa Turtle and Saved by the Bell. <laughs> if she was lucky, she got Screech. <laughs> 
Corey is the one, the stoner was the smart enough one to hack the public website and put up, yes, Lance Henriksen and the Joker dog. Right. And for this, they're being grounded. They're not able to go on some geology field trip, which actually sounds like winning to me, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're just hanging out at the pool all night. (laughs) A luau, they're calling it, yeah. Unsupervised smoking pot and, yeah, presumably about to have sex, I would say that's much better than going off somewhere to look at rocks. But Joe is the outsider. They're going to offer Joe up as basically a sacrifice. They don't care who did it. They want prom. They hate Joe. And so it's in this, I hate everyone angst that Joe decides she's going to go get the mangler virus. Yeah, so not even a real hacker here. Like, I remember doing this, again, this was like 90... Eight. This is not 2002, but yes, this is what fake hackers do. They just go to websites and download the viruses. They don't make them themselves. So there is a hacker mall? I don't know if there's a hacker mall, but there are, <laughs> or there at least were. I'm sure it's much more sophisticated now. But yes, there were sites like this where you could, if you wanted to risk it, download these viruses and try to set them up on people's computers. They make it look so easy. Even I could go destroy a system network, I think, from the hacker mall. This is great. I didn't know you could go shopping. Do they have sales? (laughs) (laughs) It's usually free. I have to think, though, being, I don't know, unfortunately trying to apply logic to this, that if there is the mangler at the hacker mall, other shoppers have taken the mangler and downloaded it, right? Exactly. Why has this never happened before? Yeah. We don't know that it hasn't. It could be a future sequel or a whole series. I mean, we could, we could, a TV series. What am I thinking? That's what they ought to do now. Go from prep school to prep school. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, think of all the scenarios. You could have the diner who's getting modern with computers and using computers to take orders instead of scratch pads. And then the next week you could be at Well, this is the year 2001. I'll say a record store. (laughs) Yes, I'm ready to skip that TV show. (laughs) I think that this Mangler virus, it should have had some more of a background. I like my incorrect assumption that the Mangler virus was going to be released from Newton Industries by the Ninja than the fact that you just could go to any website and just download it and install it. And then this also leads to questions of how exactly is N2K wired in to a student's dorm room computer? Yeah, but first things first, this is not the same evil spirit that possessed the laundry press that jumped into, I mean, last time it jumped into an icebox and sucked up birds and a little kid. Could this not be the same villain? Could he not have found himself at the hacker mall waiting to be downloaded? I don't even want to make that stretch. I mean, yeah, I was looking for those connections, Stuarts. I agree. I, I played that game for about 30 seconds and then saw this film really has no connection. If Joe had had antacids at any moment, I would have been sure of it. But they they didn't work it very hard. They didn't want you to think about that last one. And uh, okay, fine with me. Well, they having listened to the commentary, they have no ties to the original, but they do want you to think about the last one. Later on, we're going to be talking about a scene with a laundry press that was complete homage to Toby Hooper's vision. <laughs> oh, that's right. There was that scene. Mm. And that seems to be the extent of the writer-director's knowledge of the last one, is it took place in a laundromat and had an evil laundry press, so we threw this scene in there to tie to it. 
That was the only connection. Trying to fathom the depths of the logic here, Arnie. Okay, so they have an internet connection, so I'm assuming this virus goes out over the... Is this a closed intranet for the school? Like, how does it not just get released all over the whole world at this point? That becomes, a, at the climax, they talk about spreading it over the internet, but that's how it would have to get out, wouldn't it? Was it going through the electrical circuits in the buildings? I'll give you the benefit of the doubt here. This was 2001. In 2001, in most areas, dial-up was still prevalent. So maybe she had a dial-up connection to download the Mangler, and then it was just on the LAN. <laughs> this is a beta system. It's closed. It's not connected to the rest of the world. It could be. And so that's the danger is that if they don't stop this machine now, it could be hooked up and uh, used in military situations. I don't know. It's it's enough for me. I'm not going to say that this is a satisfying explanation, but I wasn't asking these kinds of technical questions about why the mangler wasn't more widespread as a problem. I'm wondering how it's able to take circuitry and cables and shears and, and I mean, I did not see this coming at all. I was confused because I would go with a computer virus being able to control any system. I mean, again, to go back to, of all things, prime directives, Saint being able to turn the pressure up in the boardroom right. until everybody's dead. Right. I'll go with it. Sure. I don't like it, but I'll go with it. What I can't understand is exactly even what would occur to basically Superman 3 style, the wires come to life and start becoming the appendages of the virus. You know, at least Superman 3, because that did come to mind, that was in the 80s, and people really didn't know how computers worked then. <laughs> they were basically magic. Now, in 2001, we know how this stuff works pretty much. We're more sophisticated. There was a Canadian horror sci-fi movie called Hardware that kind of did this as well, but it is not the way to go if you're going cyber. It, it makes it look silly here. No, I was so confused when that... Mangler gets released, and the first sign of it is the wires, like, dropping. I'm like, is that an electrical penis? What is that coming out of the ceiling? Like, that's supposed to scare me for the next hour? Yeah, settling the threat is, like, the modem or the disk drive could, like, bite you. I mean, that is, that's not <laughs> why we're afraid of computers. That's not it. There's a lot of reasons why people are robophobic. That's not it. And if you can't control every wire in the building... It seems like it should be much easier to just kill everyone at once because everywhere there's some wires. They should need to be staying away from every wall lest this occur. But no, it appears to be certain wires at certain times. And of course, these five students are blissfully unaware as it goes around killing the faculty and staff starting with Janitor Bob. 35 minutes in. Pretty long for a horror movie to get your first kill at the 35-minute mark. But oh my god, when they did it, I couldn't believe the reference. Exorcist 3? Really? That's intentional, too. They said that in the commentary that this was an homage to Exorcist 3. I knew it. I couldn't believe it. But yeah, they replaced the guy in the white sheet with a giant pair of scissors on a wire. But the setup here is the same, where there's this long, quiet moment where the guy keeps hearing something and, and we have a, a, a wide shot of a hallway and suddenly at the last minute, he's jumped from behind by shears. It was the nifty-est scene in that movie. It's not a bad thing to rip off. It's just not something I would expect someone to go back to. And I was just so goddamn confused. I wasn't even thinking Exorcist 3. I'm thinking, wait, wait, wait. There's wires? 
Wait, where did these shears come from? He's a janitor, not a gardener. What the hell is going on? I could not believe, truthfully, that this virus was just using this as like the wires were like its hands to just get these shears from nowhere and I suppose kill Janitor Bob. I would also like to say this is one of the most bloodless, corpseless horror films we have ever reviewed at Now Playing because we never see the death occur. I kept expecting the reveal that he wasn't even really killing them. Oh, well, he doesn't. For In the case of Brayden or whatever, he is saving some of the bodies and he doesn't want to kill Joe. That's the reason why he doesn't kill everyone at once. But he's got special plans for Joe, and we learn about those in the climax, but it knows what it is. This is a formula horror movie, and so the fun of it is in doing it one at a time. And come on, what could be more cliched? You got a guy in a wheelchair that likes porn? Done and done, right? I mean, the next victim, <laughs> I, I almost found like it was a little mean. Like, I felt bad that they, we were expected to hate this guy just because he's in a wheelchair and likes to watch pornography. The kids act like he's some pervert or something i'm like maybe he's just lonely it is better than the headmaster that sneaks into people's bedrooms <laughs> i mean for real we'll get there but yeah i i actually found a lot of sympathy perhaps the most sympathetic character in this movie is mr <laughs> vessi as he's trying to get down the non-functional wheelchair stairwell ramp and gets axed by cords and cables if someone's a porn addict, why don't you have them get their dick stuck, like, in the hard drive and do something, like, related to the porn? I agree that the deaths needed to be more ironic. If you're a porn addict, live by the porn, die by the porn, that kind of thing. Yeah, I wasn't believing them when they said that he was a porn addict. I mean, that's an early scene. They have a very unfunny, mean-spirited exchange where they suggest that he watches crouching crotch hide my dragon and glad he ate her uh, yeah i that's a good but, one i like that one <laughs> all right glad he ate her was pretty good i'll give you that but i thought they were making it up about him they were implying that maybe he had joe tied up in his room and everything we never saw any evidence that this guy was some kind of sadistic masochist here they do have a quick cut we do actually see that those porn titles are real but it almost feels like an afterthought i, I he's basically targeted in the way that he is because he's in the wheelchair, not because he's into porn. We're supposed to hate him because he's into porn, which makes me think, hmm, maybe I hate the kids. Yeah, I think we're supposed to hate him because he's the authority. And we're supposed to be with the rebellious kids because we're supposed to be about their age and still feeling persecuted by the teachers. Yeah, I think it was actually taking away from the student's coolness that Glad He Ate Her was a real porno film. I thought it was funnier when they were just making stuff up and riffing. Now it turns out they're just watching the same films. And now it really confuses me because there's Mrs. Shaw, and at the same time that they accuse Vessi of being a porn addict, they accuse Mrs. Shaw of being a swinger, but it turns out she's just a drunk. <laughs> well, she does go to do her laundry in, like, a negligee, like, in her sexy underwear. And all her underwear is black lace panties, by the way. Yeah. So, obviously a swinger. <laughs> I'm telling you, this movie has a very strange relationship with the adults and the kids. All the kids are wanting to define everyone as a sexual deviant, and I just... I don't get it. Why they're trying to bang each other down by the pool. Right. I, I don't buy into it. It feels unfair because we never, I mean, really never establish who this janitor, this guy in the wheelchair is, this woman. I don't even know if she's a guidance counselor or a teacher. Whatever she is, she's doing laundry, but her death is in a paper shredder. 
No, no, it's a no, laundry no, press. No, that's a ringer. Yeah, it's a. It is. Yes. Yeah. Who does that? <laughs> no one. No one has. Those are from like 1950. <laughs> right. Didn't you use a dryer? I mean, yes. who actually runs it through a ringer? Well, that's actually no. You you have a spin cycle on your washer where it spins the clothes and shoots the water out of them. You don't need a press like this anymore. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I guess I'm wondering how old this equipment is. How long has the janitor been keeping these arcane machines alive? It it was so obscure. I couldn't enjoy the grisliness of the death or what there was to enjoy of it. But this is about as bloody as it gets. With her hair getting, she gets scalped. I think. Yeah. That was they splatter some red on the wall and that is the goriest death that we really get for the majority of this movie i do think poor will actually gets the single worst death you know i feel bad for will this whole movie he's a likable <laughs> guy who deserves better than this job uh, i'm more inclined to believe what's written about him in his uh report you know they go digging around in brayden's office and he's upset that People think he talks too much. He looked in his permanent record, and they're saying that he's a loudmouth. I'm, yeah, this character is, he's basically writ funny with a capital F. He's always got something to say. I'm Jacques Black Cousteau when he's swimming around in the pool. I don't think he's that funny. But, yeah, it is a grisly way to go out. And come on, wasn't it hilarious? You are the weakest link. Remember that, like, that was actually topical at the time i'll give it that yeah in 2001 it was yeah sure. gone away by then no no because marjorie and i used to watch it and i didn't meet her till 2000 so okay that was timely of all of it but let's get back to joe because i'm still confused about joe's arc she's pissed at everyone hates them all downloads the <laughs> virus right but then for some reason Dan starts to show an interest in her, and she needs to not let him know about the mangler, so she distracts him by kissing him, even though she's not into him. And then she gets together with all these people, these people who were going to hang her out to dry for doing something she didn't do. I mean, these people are nasty to her. She goes, yeah, I just downloaded this new virus to the school. And she confides in them. (laughs) oh my god what is she thinking i don't get it and then they all team up and rather than this girl who they were going to just turn in for something she didn't do rather than actually turning her in now for something she did do they all team up to go break into brayden's office so that they can put a fake email there to make it seem like he accidentally downloaded the virus right yeah it gets so convoluted at this point with the techno babble or they're, yeah, switching emails, and then they got to go to the secretary's computer. It's just, you haven't thought that hard about anything else in this film. Why are you trying now? You just don't know how to speak computerish, Jacob. I, I totally follow this. <laughs> this makes complete sense. I mean, yeah, all they have to do is frame the secretary for downloading the virus from the reporter that came for the one scene early in the movie <laughs> that we never learned his name, and it'll all be fine because Braden will think that he did it. I see you diagram this out. <laughs> yeah, no. It's almost a mental Brock pattern here. <laughs> you just keep zooming in. And we got ahead of ourselves, but this is what I was talking about with Will is now taking this opportunity to go through the permanent records and find out how he's being perceived by the faculty. And yeah, he's in another office when the computer decides, well, I've killed all the adults that are still here. It's now time to go through the kids, starting with the black guy. And yeah, d- 
had Scream come out at this point? Oh, I mean, long or- out. I, I feel like this is the anti-Scream. Scream was a very <laughs> clever movie that pointed out cliches in slasher movies and then subverted them. Here, this movie is saying, no, 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 erase all of that. Let's go back to the way it was in 1983. First the black guy dies, then the druggie dies, then the bimbo dies, then the jock. But I know the writer of this film. He was patting himself on the back. He's like, look how self-aware I am. This is so clever. Actually, no, that's not the case. (laughs) That whole computer screen, anything on the computer screen was done in post. And apparently on the set, Dexter Bell was complaining that the black guy always dies first. And what a cliche that he's dying first. And he just talked about it so much that they decided it would be funny and poke a joke at Dexter, the actor, by putting that on the screen. Yes. When you realize that you've made the worst cliches possible, I guess the only way to confront that is to laugh it off. But yeah, this movie has absolutely no surprises in who it targets and how it kills. Although I must say, I wasn't quite sure how he was dying at first it's hot water coming from a sprinkler but i wasn't sure if it was poison gas or some kind of i don't know hot metal melted on i don't i couldn't tell what was going on until most of his face had melted off I didn't get what was going on until they said he was boiled. Like, I'm yeah. like, is, is this Carrie where they're doing the water and they're, and they're electrifying him? What? It's so unclear what's going on. Is the water really hot? Who knows? Yeah, I thought it was acid. If this virus can take inanimate wires and turn it into limbs, I thought somehow it had found some sort of corrosive acid to put through the sprinkler system. But no, just as improbably, it's boiling water. So what are they going to do? They killed the comedic relief character. Good thing they still had the chef in reserve. (laughs) Not all the adults are dead. But we thought he was... I could not believe they bring... I, I keep calling him Frenchy. I don't know. that That's his trait. He's the French dude that shit-talks his ex-wife and complains about the budgets. He can't get the nice prime cuts of meat. But I could not believe that's the guy. That's where they're going to go for the comedy relief for the rest of this film. They're bringing him back, of all characters. Yeah, I had literally marked him off as dead in my body count when I was going through. I didn't see what point he had in the movie at all. Why would you keep him around? And the fact that he survives this film is dumbfounding. I don't get it. I think... I gathered, I gleaned from the commentary, he's a friend of the director. No, no, I think it's the LL Cool J factor. I think that he's supposed to be the one guy that made us laugh, and so we couldn't bear the thought of the computer killing him. I mean, LL made it through Halloween, and he made it through Deep Blue Sea. I think they just thought that this was the French LL. That thought never crossed my mind. At no point was I sad that the French comedy relief was dead. Oh, come on. He pops out of the freezer and says, I've been with women colder than that. I mean, (laughs) I feel like they need a drummer on set just doing rim shots after every line. (laughs) I thought he was funnier than Will, but no, this is bad stuff. And uh, yeah, we don't need someone to make jokes. This movie is a joke. I mean, the, the comedy is coming from the kills. It's not coming from the quips. But even those aren't that funny. I, they're just implausible does not mean humorous. Oh, I was kind of laughing when they all decide all of a sudden they need to escape the school and there's some kind of strange Mission Impossible sneaking around on the roof. Shenanigans is really all that I can call it. It's a lot of people running around for no discernible reason while wires are following them on the ground and computer eyes are turning back and forth. 
Yeah, they're doing this weird, synchronized, I don't know, move, <laughs> hiding behind columns. and <laughs> It's very oh. elaborate. It yes. made me laugh. But, uh, yeah, to no avail because there's, uh, you know, they, they've been on camera this whole time. And it doesn't even matter that they're on camera because there's no cords up on the roof. It's difficult to know where the danger really is coming from. If they just sat still, they would probably be just fine. There's, the, the danger <laughs> just in the comes... middle of the soccer field like you would at a fire drill and just right. sit there. It can control the score board and make it fall over at them. I mean, <laughs> or, or perhaps the sprinkler system. I think I have to go back to the very end of the last Mangler movie when improbably the washing machine stands up and goes after them. That that's the kind of thing we'd have to face is like the goalposts would start to flip <laughs> over and beat the people. Maybe, but uh, it's difficult to understand what they hope to accomplish by running around here in the dark. And indeed, Corey doesn't make it. And through all of this mission to get to that one door that those repairmen were working on while Lance Hendrickson was talking. See, there was a reason for it, Jacob, because that door is the one that they can get out of. But while they're trying to do that, Corey gets crushed by those bleachers. Yeah, I got it again. Was was the director just like patting himself on the back? He's like, oh, check this out. I'm going to do this scene. I'm just going to have the flash from the camera going off to light it. That is avant-garde. That's going to put this above these other direct-to-video movies. I thought that that camera flash thing was a callback directly to Toby Hooper. He did that at the start of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's a there's a very evocative scene of people taking pictures of a found body, and, and it takes a while to see what you're looking at. I thought he might be referencing the man that was in the director's chair before him, but maybe I'm giving him too much credit. <laughs> no, I do think that he said something about that in the commentary as well. He He did seem to be at least appreciative of Toby Hooper's previous work, if not actually into horror himself. Yeah, well, he'd be lucky to have half that career. He'd be lucky to make the films Toby Hooper made after Life Force. I mean, yeah, this guy never worked again. But yeah, I mean, the editing style on this pisses me off. There's the scene when they're all trying to make their plan right after Braden is watching them too, and he knows they broke it into his office, so he goes to confront them in Joe's dorm, and so they smash him in the face with a book. Right. This is where it all comes out why Emily is such a bitch. It's because this man is taking advantage. Yeah, lots of confusion here. He's gleefully saying, I'm going to expel all of you now. I'm like, well, then who are you going to rape? None of this makes any sense. But yeah, they take him out with a book, a textbook, brings him down, and then they're off again. It's like sometimes they're like, let's go confront the virus. And they turn on a computer and it goes, ha, 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 And they go, oh, shit, let's run away. Oh, let's go confront the virus. There's no commitment commitment to a plan in this movie it's at this point that i realized how horrible joe really is like she had this fit where she was mad at her schoolmate so she unleashes this virus you know ends up being an awful thing and now she's at her laptop like where she could confront it and do her mandel booby fractal thing but no she smashes the computer because she gets mad at it, it like taunts <laughs> her it makes fun of her so instead of saving the fucking day she smashes the computer like, this is an awful protagonist. Like, I want her to die at this point. This is all her fault. That was a forehead slap moment. They go back. She's confronting it. She's the only one. It's the laptop that it was downloaded on. And, yeah, it basically shows an image of her saying something snide and snarky about people. What does it even say? See you all in hell? Okay, well, this gets her goat, and now they have no way of battling the mangler. Good job. Somewhere along the lines, Emily gets killed. 
Yeah, she just gets like hung. Like, not very creative. Like, the wires just cut your neck. It's a noose. They, they, they made a little noose. The deaths are just not inventive and sadly not fun. I really could be going with this movie a little bit more, despite the flat characters, if the deaths had a hint of glee to them. But yeah, I don't like the way any of these characters are dying. And in the one in the dark, I could barely even see that Cody was getting killed by bleachers. But finally they get outside. They've been trying this whole time to get outside. They do. And then all of a sudden they realize, oh, there's that electric fence. Why bother going outside then? (laughs) Yeah, does the chef serve them lead all day long? Like, why is their memory so bad? Like, why can they not remember things that they knew two scenes ago? We all remembered the electric fence. It was underlined again and again and again. You went out there earlier and said, oh, we can't leave. There's an electric fence. And now they're shocked as they run out of the dorm room and are confronted with the electric fence. It's maddening here, but... Good thing that she used that pass key because it triggered to her bodyguard that she was in trouble and he's turned around arriving just in time to mow down the gates. And I think this is supposed to be a, a surprise kill. Up to this point, everyone that's died, we've been told, was going to die. I mean, it was it was telegraphed. We were to enjoy the kills. We weren't to be shocked by who got picked off. But I don't think we were supposed to know that love interest Dan was going to get fried when he's atop the car and the fence is indeed not deactivated. Well, and Reducey, Frenchie climbs over the fence first, and I thought it was funny. I, I guess they didn't pay for Paul, the bodyguard, to come in. They just had the stunt driver yes. who crashed the fence because they're like, <laughs> they look in the car. Nope, he's still alive. Like, we don't see him. <laughs> Do we see him ever again? Yes, he does come back yeah, to help her at the end. climax. Okay, but yeah, I forgot. It, it, is a, it is a notable absence that the man that drove a car through a fence is told to us that he's alive, but we see no evidence of. But then, of course, I, I mean, come on. We knew Dan was going to get it when he's just, like, standing on there doing a little jig. Look, it's safe. Come on. I, I didn't say they did it well. I just said that I think we weren't <laughs> supposed to presume that they would be so vicious as to take away Joe's only hope for a boyfriend. <laughs> Paul's still alive. She's banging him. <laughs> That's true. It just leaves more room for the bodyguard. All right, but let's get to this ending because this is really – this whole movie, I'm sitting here and I'm like – boring, rote, flat characters, bad acting, poor deaths. But then the ending comes, and all of a sudden, I'm in the movie I wish I was watching this whole time. (laughs) Brayden as a marionette? Yes! Brayden, we saw after he got knocked out, the wires came out of the walls, coiled around him, and dragged him away. And now he is, they called him in the commentary, a meat puppet. Speaking in the voice of her father, again, I think it's a huge mistake that Lance Hendrickson and the father character are two different people. would be so much cleaner if this were her overprotective dad. I'm just wondering what Joe's going to do. She is armed with a dull butcher knife that Frenchie threw her. Like, he throws it over the fence. Here, take this. This will save the day. It's, again, this is an entire computer system. And she's going to stab it to death? Okay, but let's face facts. The entire computer system, it's not like this giant mainframe full of refrigerator-sized computers. No, it's an HP in a little janitor's closet. Yeah, I mean, even they call out how unimpressive-looking this computer is that runs N2K. Arnie, you can't stab a plastic computer. You, You could smash it. You can cut the power cord with a knife. I did that yesterday at a job. You can stab Lance Hendrickson, and they do, and he spits up milk because he's contractually required to after aliens. 
Which is so weird. I'm like, really? She just has to stab him? That seems weird. What was his plan? He's, he wants to mate with her. Yes. I don't know what that was going to do. Was He dropped some line about getting out onto the internet. I think he wanted a spawn. And Stuart, do you know where my mind went? It's a movie you introduced me to. I'm alive! Demon, Demon Seed. Seed! Yeah, I was thinking about Demon Seed for sure. That was the really the prototype for evil computer, humanoid woman lovemaking. Yes, Jacob, to fill you in on this horrible, horrible <laughs> USA Up All Night film, it was about a computer that took over a house and proceeded to rape and impregnate a woman who then gave birth to an egg that grew into a geodesic dome. Don't spoil it. Yeah, let people discover it for themselves. <laughs> By the way, it's not a, well, it may be a B movie, but it is not a USA Up All Night movie. It was, that is where I saw it. It's a Hollywood film. It was actually written by Dean Arkoons. Well, I'm not saying it wasn't, but I'm saying that, hey, USA Up All Night during the 10 o'clock hour before the we got into the real shit at midnight and 2 a.m. showed that. Yeah, I do remember watching it with you and, and having a laugh, uh, uncomfortable as it may be. But yeah, it's it's always a bizarre premise, but uh, one that can be done successfully. I don't know what it would be worse, having sex with Lance Hendrickson or a computer, but the whole prospect for Joe here is all ick. Hey, these days, I mean, after her, people want to have sex with computers. I don't know if anyone wants to have sex with Lance Hendrickson. Maybe you could sweeten the deal with a little Mandelbrot Snowflake CD program that he pops in. He likes it. Gets him in the mood. Yeah, she wants to make it romantic with the Snowflake. And, (laughs) you know, I'll give him this. I saw it coming. (laughs) What didn't you see coming in this film? I didn't see the meat puppet wanting to have sex. Yeah, and I don't think that it can be undersold about how crazy that is. That two minutes of footage really is kind of wickedly fun in how terrible it is. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I can't deny that seeing Lance Hendrickson being puppeted around, yeah, it was at least a charge to a movie that, yeah, felt pretty dull. It was so unexpected. It was awesome, and it's the only scene in which Lance Hendrickson appeared to actually act. Yeah, one wishes they had gotten to this way earlier, that they could have made this the villain. They could have had a Freddy horror icon kind of villain, or, you know, at least what Robert England was in the last movie. They could have had that here, if they had just made Brayden the first victim rather than the last. No, instead, the whole time, the Megler is personified. I have to think that this is a Lawnmower Man reference, that computerized face that talks and taunts them and the way the face moves on the screen i mean that's all lawnmower man we're gonna see it yeah we'll get back to lawnmower man well i can't wait till we get to that then. i know licking my chops for a return performance but uh yeah you are right but you did say last time the same man that owned the rights to lawnmower man owned the rights to this so maybe there was going to be a tie-in if puppet master could meet dangerous toys maybe the mangler was going to tussle with lawnmower man somewhere down in some never to be made dvd future and i did get a bit of a maximum overdrive feel from this i mean machines that could come alive and start moving on their own this felt a lot more like maximum overdrive than it did the mangler well we're now we're getting into problems with the source material but stephen king never should have released the mangler he should have released (laughs) trucks trucks and the mangler are the same story only one has a very stupid machine and one has a credible one (laughs) hey he made money on both selling them to skin mags 
Yes. And into movies. Obviously, <laughs> there was there was a purpose to churning them out. But I would argue the source material, even, I mean, we can really hold King, even though he has nothing to do with this production, we can hold him responsible for the fact that we're reviewing a Mangler series that was a bad short story, and it's only gotten worse. Well... I also do want to give this movie credit. Stuart, you talked about it a little bit earlier. Lance Hendrickson, when he dies, he spits up milk. Very Bishop. Very happy to see that call back. Even if it is his idea and not the director's. I don't know whose idea it was, but I just got to feel like Hendrickson is saying, hey, you know, if I'm going to play a computer, why don't we do this? But hey... Maybe when we're discussing The Mangler 3 next week, this virus could return. After all, it does end on that Palm Pilot cliffhanger. Uh, yeah, this won't be the last time I'm mangled, but I think it might be the last time I'm mangled by Lance Hendrickson. So, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend The Mangler 2? Jacob. You know, th- there's one little piece of conversation towards the beginning of this film that kind of sums up how I feel about it. it. Will and Corey are talking, and Corey says, it's all about Big Brother. And Will's like, Big Brother? And Corey says, it's a book. Well, no, no, it's not a book. It's a character in a book. The book's called 1984. Like, this whole film, like, it kind of thinks it knows what it's doing, but everything's just off. It's You're just missing your references. This isn't how computers work. This isn't how viruses work. It's just a whole, what, 90 minutes, however long this thing is, of incompetency. At least with that film last week, there was some camp there. Arnie, you enjoyed the camp, it sounded like. It wasn't enough for me to enjoy it, but man, there's no camp here for me to enjoy. If you're going to go this route, I, I again, I think this is a better way, if you want to do killer machines, this is a better way to go, especially in 2001. Yeah, do the internet, do computers. But man, not with wires coming out of the walls. That's just, that's not how things work. <laughs> just like this film, it doesn't work. This is a very strong, not recommended. I want to go back to Hooper's film last week. I, this, this Whoa. one, I didn't think we could, I didn't think we could go a step down, but we went a step down. Whoa, no, 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 no. Stuart, I sense you have something to say. <laughs> but first things first. Let me get out of the way. This is an incredibly terrible film that no one should watch. A very strong not recommend. But I imagine that's probably going to be an identical review for most of Night Shift movies, so I'm going to need to contextualize how bad the badness is. To me, this is an improvement over last week. Oh, no, no, no. Yes, no. I, and, and, and We'll just, get to you, Arnie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me just say, to, uh, if I had to peg it, if I had to place it on the scale, we've seen a lot of the spectrum of bad movies is vast here at Now Playing. <laughs> I would put it firmly between The Rage Carry 2 and Return of the Living Dead, Rave to the Grave. That's It fits right in the middle there between those two bad movies. So however you felt about those, if you listen to those, shows if you saw those movies i'm sorry if i had any part in that but this is about (laughs) that good now why is it better than the mangler well i would say at least i can recognize what i'm looking at the movie last week was so mangled between comedy and horror and robert england showboating and 
done by people who should know better, it, it made it all the more unforgivable. This is very obvious what it is. It's a dumb teen horror slasher movie. We've seen dozens of these before, and I dare say, although it is terrible, it is no worse than many we have covered before. So I, what I'm saying is that it's recognizably bad as opposed to being mangled beyond comprehension, which is what last week was for me. So very terrible, strong, not recommend, but a little bit better than The Mangler. And I disagree completely because I recommended The Mangler because I found its comedy and its campy performances funny and I thought everyone was kind of in on the sly joke of killer washing machine while at the same time having a good amount of gore. Whereas here, all right, I agree with what Jacob says that this isn't how shit works, but my problems with it actually go beyond that. I can get past this isn't how shit works and say, okay, in this world, computer viruses can take control of wires like limbs. Fine. I'll give you that huge ass gimme. But what I can't give it is uninteresting characters and really lame deaths and a very slow plot. It is almost like the screenwriter was as stoned as the characters he wrote. Because you called it out, Stuart. These people don't remember what they're doing from one scene to the next. And yes, some of that is an editing problem. Some of that is a filming problem. Some of that is a director inexperience problem. I, I might add, he's never going to get that experience as he's not directed since. He's producing and writing, but this is his sole directorial credit. I love the fact that they made director's chairs for him to sit on that had a typo that said Mangler 11 instead of Mangler 2. And he said, not a bad idea. Thank God that was stopped. Okay, so I can tell I'm not the only one who watched the bonus features. Yes. <laughs> Next time, tell me you're going to so I can save my fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart was just so intrigued. Yeah, wanted to know I needed more. to know. I, I sometimes enjoy the bonus features more. But in the end, this movie just is a complete waste of time. You mentioned Necropolis, Stuart. I couldn't get Necropolis, or more to the point, rave to the grave out of my head this movie. Corey, you said he was in the Carrie 2002. I could have really sworn that he would have been in Rave to the Grave. He seems like he would have fit right in with that crowd. And yeah, that is on the totem pole of shit near the very bottom because I would rather have a spectacular debacle of a film than something so lazy and so cheap as what these foreign direct-to-video films are. I was really shocked when listening to the commentary that this was made in Canada because this feels and smells like a Romanian production. Strong, 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 not recommend. A huge plummet from last week. <laughs> So I think the difference between our reviews is what you thought of the movie last week. No one's going to argue that this isn't an utter pile of shit. It's just whether it was last week's a bigger pile of shit. But no, yeah, uh, we all get this movie. I, I did point out at the beginning of this review, I said there was one star that emerged from this. Almost everyone else of this has never worked again. But I want to point out, if you did watch the bonus features on the DVD, there were two music videos. They are directed by Neil Blomkamp, who would go on to direct District 9 and Elysium. Oh, my so God. there you go. Yeah, this, <laughs> it gives me hope to know that you could start by making music videos for Mangler 2 and go on to make a Best Picture-nominated film. I think that's uh, encouragement for all of us, really, to end on a positive note. Of course, it's not over yet. 
No, we have the Mangler Reborn, where, Stuart, you can stop trying to string together false logic. We're going back to the washing machine. (laughs) Yes, wrench and purge. I'm ready to get it over with next week. So until next time, there's a little bit of you in this podcast and a little bit of this podcast in you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. Once again, the internet is my friend. Come to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another film based on the works of Stephen King. So for hours and hours of unheard evil, download now. Also, visit our sister podcast at booksandnachos.com where you can hear Arnie's reviews of the original books and short stories on which these films are based. The answer is in that book. Just go for it. You can hear more movie reviews at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. In our archive section, you can find our reviews of the Friday the 13th series, a Nightmare on Elm Street series, the Transformers films, Star Trek, The Avengers, Rambo, Rocky, and more. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at nowplayingpodcast.com. It's what you and everyone your age really needs. While at nowplayingpodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this review with other listeners. Why don't we just go over there and talk to her? Do it for me. Come on. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. Welcome to the club. Oh, precious. The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. <laughs> that sounds like a whole lot of fun to me. Oh yeah, oh boy. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. Cash will work. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Payment in full. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, totes, boxers, mouse pads, and much more. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. You can also help out Now Playing by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. A link to Now Playing's iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Seems very simple. Yes, actually. Now Playing's Mangler Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie. Life's a bitch. Then you die. <laughs> Get him back to work. Yes, sir. We're behind schedule as it is, goddammit. Yes. I got deadlines, George. Never enough time around here, never. Now playing credit narration by Brock. I can feel you talking to me right now. The film discussed in this podcast is the property of its original copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Now playing podcast is not affiliated with the makers or distributors of these films. Alex, they can't trace it back to me. Buried my covert work with encryption software so deep the FBI couldn't even crack it. And just in case they ever did, I used an anonymous proxy to hide my true eyes call number. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. This is bullshit, Mark. Reality? Bullshit. Bullshit. Reality. 
bullshit. Now playing is a Venganza Media production. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. First there is God, then there's country, and then there's the law. There's a little bit of me in that machine, and a little bit of it in me. You're being mangled. Hey, can you uh, say you believe in life after love? (laughs) (laughs) You just sound so auto-tuned right now. (laughs) And starts to get... Not the hentai virus. Hunter. (laughs) This was the hottest you could get in French Canada. Even me. <laughs> I don't want. I gotta believe there's better looking girls. All in right, cut that. That might yeah. infer, that might insult. <laughs> I, I don't want to offend any of the pretty. Yeah, French I really Canadian think you ladies. could start a war here, Arnie, with the <laughs> level of <laughs> disregard you have for our Canadian friends. I'm hearing Hit Me Baby one more time in my head, and, and of course they can't even afford to play it. But that's what I'm thinking about here. Late 90s, sure. that's That would be the most popular girl to emulate. No, they're not going to do a Hit Me Baby one more time. I mean, these people are so behind the times, they're going to say, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. There was only two years difference. Really? Was it that short? It feels like a decade. Wow. <laughs> The fact that you knew it was only two year difference off the tip of your tongue like that. No editing, no looking up at Wikipedia. Oh, no. Like, oh, I know my pop music. Trust me, I can. We can. We can talk. I, I mentioned B two K. Okay, all right. But in my defense, I did look it up. It was five years between Wannabe and this film. No. Oh, I thought you were talking about Britney Spears. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the Britney Spears song. No, no. Tell me what Spice you want, Spice. what you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want. I mean, no, I thought you were talking about the difference between yeah. oh. Spice Girls and Britney Spears. Yeah, that, uh, that Hit Me Baby One More Time was maybe two years difference between Wannabe. Okay. Maybe, maybe even less. Anyway, this Now that movie. we got that settled, <laughs> <laughs> recommends? <laughs> we should just do crappy pop music. At, uh, <laughs> I would much rather talk about late 90s pop stars. Now popping? <laughs> I got shit to say about Summer Girls. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Light funky ones? Oh my god. He rhymes sh- sh- sonnet with hornet. Oh god, I do know that song. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's a brilliant piece. <laughs> I don't even know where we are now. So what about <laughs> She Likes Me For Me? <laughs> oh, yeah, what, who was that? Blessed Union of Souls or something? Hey, like Leonardo, that? isn't that the song? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. In 2001, in most areas, and this is Canada, so we gotta figure they're even behind us, dial-up was still prevalent. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're not right, and and you did say last time. 